This is The Playbook with Levon Whitaker. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Sports With, the segment called The Playbook. And right now I have with me Coach Jared Drake. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Levon, how you doing, man? Good to see you, man. Glad you have me, man. I appreciate everything. No problem, brother, man. Um, for those who don't know, you guys, like I said, this is Coach Jared Drake. Okay, right now, Coach, I'm not gonna give away too much, but you are the coach at, um, head coach at SIC College for the men's basketball team. For those who don't know, that's Southern Illinois College. So, uh, Coach, for those who don't know you, man, go ahead, give them a quick break, a quick uh, breakdown. Who is Coach Drake? Uh, who, who is Coach Drake, man? Well, that, that's a loaded question, but uh, Jared Drake, um, I believe he's a strong, passionate follower of Christ. I believe I, um, I was born to two amazing parents, Leonard and Rhonda Drake. Uh, I have a younger sister that's 26 and a budding actress. Um, I have a five-year-old daughter who is my world. Um, I love mentoring the youth, eating seafood, enjoying great weather. Uh, my hobbies are, I uh, include working out, uh, playing basketball or golf when I can, reading self-development books, uh, just spending time with loved ones, you know, uh, enjoying the people around you. Uh, people who know me will say that I'm outgoing, I'm funny, uh, just genuinely interested in helping others uh, get what they want out of life. Definitely, man. Definitely a well-polished brother. Um, and and y'all may ask how I know that. And I know that because I met Coach Drake uh, down in Fort Wayne, just like the last guy I interviewed. I mean, when I met Coach Jamal Howard and a couple of other guys, Phil Washington, Mark Burst, Jared Boff, Ty Hensley, all those guys, DeWan Marrero. <laughs> Um, Jared Quarles, like all those guys, man, just a great unity, a great family. Uh, but I met Coach Drake down there, man. It was real kind of quick. Uh, I just saw you, and I think I just I reached out to you. I can't remember the exact interaction, man. But I I remembered the shoe game. That's <laughs> when I saw you again. I said, that's that brother that had those J's. Uh, I remember the shoe game. I was like, I'm gonna talk to him again, man, just to say what's up. Yeah. Um, every time I see you, man, uh, coming down and back and forth to, to Fort Wayne, man, you just had. You know, cool, calm, and collective vibe about you, man. Moving along, you're working. The kids, the young men, rather, are, are following you. You tell them what to do. They're following the instructions, man. So I like, man, it's something about this brother, man. Like, he, he got it, man. The guys listen to him, and, uh, you know, he's involved in this in this Indie Heat family, which is, again, as I always say, um, the Indie Heat family is something like I've never met before, man. Um, I heard about it when I was younger. Jim Rats, I never, I thought that was such a large, super large brand, like nationwide. I'm like, what is Jim Rats, man? And it was, it was, it was, it was right in line with the rest of the guys I met there, as far as you know, the personality and the vibes that you guys give off. Um, so, Coach Drake, Drake, um, what was, who, what's your, who, you know, you talk about your your upbringing, you know, raised with two amazing parents. Um, your father was a coach growing up. Um, you had a high school and a, and a college career. Uh, touch on that, that your father and, and that upbringing with him and, and going over to high school and, and your college career in basketball. Definitely, definitely. Before I get into that, man, I, I definitely got to tip my hat to the whole entire Indy Heat family, man. Uh, bringing me in this summer, man, I really appreciate everything. I've uh, been able to grow in my time being there and the connections that I've been able to afford to being there so far are unsurmountable. Um, but yeah, we had to tip my head to uh, the guys over there at the NBA. But uh, let's talk about my upbringing. You know, 
you know, real quick, I did not know this was your first summer there. And it's crazy how where you fit in, man, and jail in with those guys, man. I didn't know this was your first summer. That was my first summer too. So yeah. Okay, I'll let you continue though, man. That's amazing. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing for me, man. We just kind of connected. It felt like a family from day one. From the time they picked up the phone, called me and interviewed me for the opportunity, it felt like a family. So I, I, I truly enjoy that opportunity and I'm glad to be involved. Um, but uh, my up my upbringing, well, um, my father, he was a division one basketball coach for 35 plus years. Um, as both a head coach and associate head coach on the men's and women's side. Um, so coaching's in my blood. Um, all of his brothers are coaches or trainers. He actually has a younger brother that trains in uh, Arizona that is Diana Tarasi's trainer. Um, I've got a couple of other uh, uncles that are highly um, connected to the AAU circuit and helping kids get to college. So um, it's definitely in my blood, even more so uh, with my mother still being an educator herself, um, building relationships and progressing the youth is what I enjoy most. Um, I mean, we moved multiple times uh, when my dad was joining these new coaching careers and coaching places. Uh, he was actually the head men's basketball coach uh, at our uh, associate head men's basketball coach at Ball State University, where I was born. Um, he was the head men's coach at Central Michigan University. Uh, he was also the associate men's uh, coach at Lamar University in Texas, where I spent the majority of my life because then he transferred over to being the women's head coach at Lamar. Um, and then he finished off his coaching career at, as the women's associate head coach at Eastern Michigan before retiring to be an athletic director at the high school level. Um, so with that opportunity, I had an opportunity to move my whole entire life uh, and experience so many different realms of what we, we call this this life here. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Uh, your father, Central Michigan was actually on my college list, man, growing up. Uh, Central Michigan Chippewas, I believe what they yeah. are. Um, and I said, it's a, it's a wide receiver that went there. I want to say Antonio Brown. Some, okay. Somebody, a large uh, wide receiver came from that small college. I want to say Antonio Brown, man. Uh, but that's that's just amazing, man, to to be up, to have, you know, been rooted in, in such a, a great formula, I would say, you know, as a, as a family, as a son to a father and, and kind of like, and I guess not purposely following those footsteps, but to following those footsteps, maybe just to, um, because that's what you know. And because I'm sure you've seen that it's more than just coaching. Um, it's more than just, it's more than X's and O's. So why did you choose to coach and steer away from what you studied in school that is taught off air, as I've seen before, you, you studied information systems, uh, management information systems, and and um and I believe a, a business degree, uh, some somewhere in the business industry as well. But you were more in that technological field throughout college. What, what steered you into coaching primarily? Uh, well, what steered me into coaching primarily um, was the fact that um, at a very young age, uh, all I thought I was going to be was an NBA basketball player. Um, I felt like I had the opportunity in front of me with my father being the Division One coach um, that I would learn and have all the fundamentals instilled in me to be successful. Um, but coaching just came uh, and fell in my lap, basically. Um, as far as what steered me away from my what I studied in college, I'm actually in the field that I studied. Um, my first degree is in exercise science. Uh, I've been a personal trainer throughout college and my early years of coaching. Uh, my second degree, as you said, is in management information systems. Uh, I, have, I also 
uh, in business management, somewhat you could say. Uh, so I, I'm currently in the process of launching my own company uh, that's called Depth Academy. Um, and finally, my master's degree is in coaching education. So I ultimately intend on being a head division one coach. So I, I feel that uh, I, I strategically aligned each one of those degrees to have multiple streams of income and have multiple ways to impact lives. Wow. You know, when you, when you, and when you said that, man, the multiple streams of the income, that's just creating generational wealth, man. That's something that's a very hot topic right now. That's something in, in, um, in the black community specifically that um, isn't keyed in on necessarily enough, um, but creating that wealth, creating those multiple streams of income, being versatile in your everyday life is very important rather than being, you know, like, you know, we're not the one direction band. There's no reason for us to be, uh, you know, you know, just be on a one way street their entire, entire lives. Oh, so, it, Coach, you know, one thing that I noticed, you know, in your, just in, like I said before, just in your coaching abilities, man, people listen to you. Thank you, man. People listen to you. They take heed to what you have to say. Uh, you're a, you're a, a player's coach, to, to, so to speak, you know. Reminds me a lot of a guy like, um, uh, what's my what's my guy that was in Miami Heat? I forget his name. Um, and it's killing me because I'm a Heat fan. Right. Not Pat Riley, a black coach, coached in Memphis and went over to New York. And Dave Fisdale, I want to say another brother's name, but Dave Fisdale, a coach, a player's coach. Um, it just says a lot about about those type of guys that you know players navigate to them. And that's what I see in you, Coach. On you know, again, this is on a college level, but this is you know that's ideal when you talk about the upbringing of a young man and allowing him to understand it's just about it's more than just the X and X's and O's. You know, you're primarily a mentor to some degree. Most definitely, most definitely, most definitely, yes. And so coach, you right now, like I said, you're at SIC college, you know, mm -hmm. you are the men's basketball coach. What is it like coaching at SIC? What do you enjoy the most in, um, as, a, as a coach at SIC right now, as you head into your second season? Um, what do I enjoy the most? What do I enjoy the most is, uh, I guess, SIC just gives me a lot of opportunity for growth. Um, uh, and being able to enjoy the current success that I have endured uh, and then still given many opportunities to grow my coaching as well as grow the program here um, with it being in one of the top junior college conferences in the country we face a lot of adversity when it comes to the sport and when it comes to building what it means to have the, a successful culture and so how did you how did you get to SIC what was that path like what was that trajectory like uh, well, the trajectory of, of getting the SIC is um, I, I've been coaching currently for eight years. Uh, I started right after I tore my Achilles tendon playing professional basketball. Um, I was a fourth and fifth grade um, elementary school coach, ended up winning the city championship very next year, going on to a high school, winning a sectional at Central High School, moving on to Bossy, winning a, a sectional, regional, semi-state and making it to state and finishing a state runner-up, finally to becoming a uh, associate head coach at an HBCU, Philander Smith College. Um, after finishing at Philander Smith College, my mentor, Todd Day, he said, hey, man, I, I love you, but at the moment, you you are so much more than just an assistant coach. You are an assist a great assistant coach, but you're so much more than just an assistant coach. I, I, I believe you need to go ahead and get your feet wet right now and being a head coach. So I, I think there's some positions out there you need to look into. So I applied for uh, the head coaching job at Riley High School. 
um, two years ago, Riley High School was going through um, some major coaching changes and struggles. Uh, and even though I knew I wasn't interested in coaching high school long term, I wanted to go to Riley uh, some for some time to at least have an opportunity to give the boys a familiar face since they had had like two or three coaching changes in two years. Um, but I wanted to be able to purely focus on those kids. Uh, and I had an opportunity to have some success there. We finished number nine in the state conference and city champs. Nine guys graduated on, on my team and all went to college, seven of them playing sports. Blake Wesley, who you met this summer, played for me at Riley High School. I helped him start his recruiting process. Um, and throughout his recruiting process, I learned that I probably could help him and youth a lot more at the college level. So I decided then that it was time to go ahead and move back onto the college level uh, and be able to uh, grow my network and my athletic culture consulting company, Depth Academy. Man, you mentioned the name there, Blake Wesley. Folks, if you don't know Blake Wesley, please look him up, man. That guy is hot. He went to the high Hey man, that that guy is great. And, you know, I, I saw that he recently. Um, I think it, I, I don't know if he officially committed to Notre Dame, but he committed to Notre Dame. Did he? Did he officially commit? He committed and signed on the dotted line. He is a Notre Dame Irish. Wow. <laughs> okay, <laughs> man, that's hot. That's hot news right now. You just heard it on Sports If you did not know, Coach Drake had one of his former um, players, Blake Wesley, out of South Bend, has committed to um, committed to Notre Dame, a, a great school a great program, produced a lot of great athletes. Um, one who's specifically from the women's team, who's here in Indianapolis right now with Natalie Chamba, who's on the uh, Canada team. So, you know, just a great school, create, create a lot of great products and uh, takes very good players, uh, very, they take good, uh, they take care of their players very well. And um, folks, if you've been keeping up with the playbook, you know, I actually had a Notre Dame product on the show. Uh, one of my first few interviews, I believe, Corey Mays, who's a linebacker okay. from, um, from Notre Dame from the Chicago land area and in, uh, inner city Chicago actually and played on three or four different teams in the NFL specifically one uh, one being the Patriots and the other being the Chiefs and another one being the Bengals so uh congrats to Blake Wesley on that man let's get back to that guy man just a monster yeah. on the court bro I mean absolutely amazing I saw him this summer running with uh, I believe he ran with uh, what's my guy that committed to Ohio State I forget Michi Johnson I think he ran with Michi Johnson this summer, and that was a sight to see those two guys playing together, um, along with the uh, my other guy that committed to Northwestern. I forget his Julian Roper. Um, Julian. Those, those, you know, those guys together, mm -hmm. and Caleb First and Luke Goody, yeah. like you know, just a dynamic team, man. It's just those guys are absolutely astonishing. Most definitely, most definitely. It, the crazy thing is, man, the the, the most astonishing thing for me is uh, people don't know I've got. I've got a little deeper relationship with Blake. Blake's dad played for my father at Ball State. Uh, so when I took the job at Riley, I actually played at Riley as well. Um, took the job to go help out the, those kids there. And when I had an opportunity to coach Blake, I'll be completely honest. When I first started coaching him, I was like, he's talented, but he's got so much more room to grow. To see how fast he's gone from the kid I had in that one year, because he had so much growth in one year. But the, the kid that he's grown from when I had him to now, I, I honestly think Blake has a chance to be Mr. Basketball. Um, <laughs> we'll see <Yeah. laughs> what happens, but I definitely think Blake has a chance to be Mr. Basketball in Indiana and then an opportunity to be very special in college and pro. Oh, yeah. Blake, I mean, the sky's going for the guy. I mean, that's the guy that you, talk, you look at and you, start, you tell him, 
you know, uh, shoot for the uh, man, shoot for the moon, land on the stars, you know, because his talent is just unworldly, man. Uh, he yeah. doesn't get enough credit, you know, but, but being on a team like that with those guys, the type of talent, man, and him being one of the top guys, I mean, again, it just says a lot. It, just, it says a lot, man. And, uh, so it's, it's crazy that you coached him. I didn't even put two and two together that he went to Riley and you coached that Riley. I didn't even put two and two together, man. Yeah. That's just yeah, me not doing my homework in that segment. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, I mean, a lot of people don't know, man. I, I, I'm, I'm appreciative for the opportunity. Blake actually, when I first got there, he, he wasn't highly recruited. Um, and when I got there, Part of my focus was because dad was who he was and I was connected with so many coaches across the country. I wanted to get those get those young men an opportunity to get seen. My focus yeah. on being at Riley was I was going to put these young men in a position to be in front of as many coaches as they could and have an opportunity to get recruited. In. And he took off. It was Butler was first, Miami of Ohio came next, then Ball State. Wichita State, and then from then on, Indy jumped on with Indy Heat, and when he jumped in with Indy Heat, it was over with. He took off and had any opportunity to pick from, like he was picking from a hat. Man, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. He, he like, like what, what, should, what he should be doing is picking yep. from a hat. Um, the world, you know, the, the game of basketball is his. He just, you know, tasting and does what he wants with it. Um, Coach, you mentioned um, you mentioned coaching at Philander, the HBCU. Um, what what's the what's the what's the environment like? What's it like coaching at an HBCU compared to where you're coaching at now at SIC? I mean, uh, coaching at an HBCU, man, it, it's just a different vibe, man. You see, you see, Coach Prime, he had to go to an HBCU, man. It, mm -hmm. It's a different vibe, as the students say, man. It's turning, it's turning. When you go yeah. coach at an HBCU, you attend an HBCU. I'm a product of an HBCU. I finished at Southern University in New Orleans. Go Knights. Uh, I was able to uh, cross a, a, as a noob, join the fraternity Kappa Alpha Psi. So I'm definitely pro HBCU. So I definitely understand it, but, but I definitely also understand the fact of being diverse and going to a school to understand being able to relate to different people of different backgrounds. Definitely, man. That says a lot. Um, I did not know that you were a new man. I'm actually on the on the better side of 1911 route to the bros. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I let you have that one. This is your podcast, so I'm. It's crazy though. You, you're the second noob I had on him, and I had Phil Washington on here earlier this year, man. So I was like, what, what's up with the Indy Heat and the noob recruits? I don't know, but uh, hey, you know, we deal with it. My guy, Dewan Rico, he, he's he's a, he's a uh, part of A5A, so, you know, yeah. good to see the Greek community in the Indy Heat, in the Indy Heat um, environment, just to, uh, to have that unity. Um, Coach, at SIC, um, what, are, what, are, what are three things that you, the top three things that you look for when recruiting? Uh, what's the top thing things when I look for recruiting? Uh, number one is character. Uh, I, I'll pick up the phone and I'll call the janitor at the school and ask him well, how you act walking down the hallway. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm looking for character. I need to know that in front of me and away from me, you're going to represent this program and you're going to give us an opportunity to not only put a successful team on the floor, but also give back to the community so the community gives back to us. The, the, the community is somewhat buying into me as the coach, but the reality is they buy into the play, the players. If the players are in the community and at Walmart and at places, then they don't present themselves well. Then when it's time to go out and get fundraising, it, it's, it's null and void. It's not going to happen. So number one, I'm looking for kids with character. Uh, number two, 
uh, and with that character, they're diligent in the classroom. Number two, uh, I'm looking for players with, with a growth mindset who welcome coaching uh, and being able to grow. Uh, and then lastly, but not least, I'm looking for gym rats. Pun on uh, Indy Heat, <laughs> gym rats. I'm looking for guys who who just want to be in the gym, man. They, they just they just want to get the job done. They want to grow. They they can't stay away from the gym. I want the young man. I got to tell him, man, you've been in here so long, man. You need to go home. Go get some rest. I'll see you tomorrow. We got practice. I want a guy like that. Um, so basically, those are three things: character, uh, growth mindset, and a gym rat. That says a lot, and I, I I would not disagree with you on any of those uh, top three uh, characters, uh, top three things. And when you're looking for a recruiter, because um, you mentioned a very great point, uh, especially being at a junior college, you're going to have to do some. Um, you're going to you have to do some uh, go out there and, and, and do some fundraising. Um, yeah. My brother attended a, a, a junior college in, in Illinois uh, in Kishwaukee, playing baseball okay. there. And so, you know, he mentions all the time going over to NIU, doing fundraising, making money any way you can to support your team, support your program. So uh, that says a lot, you know, as a head coach is looking beyond the surface and going deeper and deeper into things and say, hey, look, guys, this is not, again, it's bigger than X and O's. This is larger than us. We have, we are representing a community. We do something, it makes national news, it makes headlines. Well, what's the first place we're going to talk about? outside of SDU, SIC, they're going to talk about the community, you know, and things surrounding them, who's the support system there, who are who are the sure. boosters and things of that nature, you know, so, sure. you know, it, it says a lot. Um, and coach, just to, um, just to kind of go back uh, uh, just real quick, we're talking, we're talking about the HBCUs. Recently, we've seen uh, uh, some of the guys who are top recruits over the next couple of years, we actually seen one commit to Howard. But we got guys like Mikey, who's um, a 2023, I believe, 24, um, number one recruit. You know, these guys, HBCU starting to get some notice. Prime time himself, one of the, if not the best, one of the best NFL football players of all time, mm-hmm. has, uh, has taken on the head coaching position for Jackson State football. His son has, has um, completely went up, gone over and signed on the dotted line that he's going to be the Jackson State quarterback. So. Where does that lie um, as far as the impact that it can uh, um, provide to the HBCU community? Uh, where does that lie in the, in, the, in the media world, in your opinion? I mean, I think it's great for the culture. I, I'll be completely honest with you. When it comes to me, you keep saying it, it, it's more than X's and O's. I have a curriculum that I read up, that I have written up that is titled coaching is more than X's and O's. Um, And my belief is I care more about building relationships and and putting out viable citizens of society than I care about winning a championship. But I know that if I'm building relationships and the kids know that I care about them, nine times out of 10, I've got a better opportunity of winning a championship if I focused on that first. Um, So for me, uh, HBCU, I mean, I think it's great for the culture. Don't get me wrong, the youth need diversity and inclusion. Uh, but African-American youth have been so drawn away from the essence of who we really are and want to follow this harsh reality of being in the streets. We don't have to be in the streets. That is not where we have to be. But because of that harsh reality of that's what's the easy go-to, that's what we are portrayed as. And I believe the HBCUs provide academic athletes and students alike the opportunity to see people like themselves go through the journey of becoming successful legitimately um, without having to actually risk their life uh, embarking in some criminal fashion. 
Um, so for me, I, I, I love it. Uh, hats off to Mikey. Uh, I got a kid that I coached against last year and John A. Logan, Trace Jackson. It, it's at mm-hmm. Alabama State. Trace, I, I, I'm all for you, baby. Go do your thing at, at Alabama yeah. State. Good luck, man. I mean, I, I'm all for it. I, I believe, honestly, it'll make the sport itself more competitive. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like what we're seeing right now with college basketball with no fans. Now there's no major difference in a mid-major and a low-major because there's no crowd. There's low-majors beating mid-majors now. Whereas when we start having these kids go to HBCUs, it's going to be the exact same thing. It's going to even the playing field, and now it's going to be truly the best teams win. It's not going to be the most supported team, the team with the most money that's going to win. It's going to be the best team wins. Definitely. I can agree with you more. It's, it's all about putting that foot forward and putting that, uh, putting that effort in to get those young men and young women to commit there. We're actually, we've seen, I've I just seen two, two of the top ranked volleyball players in the nation committed to Howard. They decommitted from a from a um, Division One school that's, you know, again, had some diversity. I believe it was Tennessee. They're a pretty, pretty big powerhouse in volleyball, but they committed to Howard. It, it just says a lot about the culture. It says a lot about being able to afford education on another level. It says a lot about being able to, it's not just about the sport itself, okay? At all. Um, a lot of times we see uh, these programs, uh, I think Clemson recently, just talking about cutting track and field. They don't have track and field. They kept baseball and uh, another sport that don't even produce enough, or don't even produce more money than what than the program that they cut, which is baseball. I mean, which is track and field. But why if they cut track and field? Because the black athletes are there, they're not, they feel like they're not bringing up enough, enough revenue. They feel mm-hmm. like, well, we're getting more revenue um with football and basketball with those black athletes but hey let's let, let go track and field let's keep baseball even though baseball lets, makes less than track and field so just one of those things we look at these high major schools and you know uh, granted it is a business at the end of the day now they're going to do what they have to do as a business um mm-hmm. but you know goes to speak to the education piece that's available at these hbcus alone with the x factor being sports and where they're able to really gain the opportunity at. And it's just, like you said, without fans there, uh, the playing field is level. The playing field, the playing field is level and they allow, they're, they're able to get those opportunities the same as the high major schools. That's what it should most be definitely. like. Most definitely, most uh, definitely, most definitely. So, and, and so, Coach, to move forward, uh, I have a word that I love to use. Um, I'll save it towards, towards the end of this uh, interview. Coach, okay. what does the word, and obviously, I, I mean, you, you're doing this on another level, but coach, what does the word impact mean to you? The word impact. Um, word impact, I think it means to influence. Um, I, I guess the word impact is just to influence on something either positively or negatively. Okay, okay, I love it, man. I love it. That, that, that word impact, man, it goes so far. It, it means so much to me, um, especially um, to our youth these days, um, what they got, what they're going through, and again, we thank you for just positively impacting the youth and those guys that see you day in and day out, man. It's uh, um, a huge honor. We got to create those. We got to uh, show love and uh, give, give people the flowers. Those who aren't all, always on the top level, you know. Sometimes you you're right here in our face, and we need to appreciate you for what you do in order to send you up to that next level, help you get to that next level, and encourage you. So we thank definitely you. appreciate you, Coach. No problem, man. Now, um, I, I got a couple of miscellaneous questions for you. As I mentioned before, brother, and you have a mean shoe game, bro. I, I, like I said, I, was, I didn't see you with a couple of them. I didn't see you as, I think the last time I seen you was we was at Brownsburg just last weekend. And I see you with the graduation 11s, man. What's, what's your, uh, 
what's your favorite pair of shoes, man? Because you, again, you just, you're a casual guy, brother, but the shoe game, man, I'm, I'm trying to get there. I'm getting into it. I grabbed me a couple. I'm trying to grab these, these Jubilee 11s this weekend. But, man, what's your, what's your top What's your top three shoe, shoes, man, that you, that, you, uh, that you like to support? I mean, uh, as you can see, I'm definitely a jaywalker, man. I love Jordans, man. <laughs> I love Jordans. I, I wear dress shoes. Occasionally, you see me in some Air Max and some Spurries. But I, I don't have a top three when it comes to Jays. I, 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 if you would think, I, I, I would say 7s, 11s, 12s. But then when I start naming off numbers, I want to I wanna say 1. I want to say 13s. I want to say 4s. I want to say 5. So I really don't have a favorite number. It's really just color schemes. Uh, and for me, it's part of who I am. It's part of my culture. It's part of the kids relating to me. I, I, I'm young, I'm 32 years old. So by no fashion am I going into a classroom teaching because I am a professor and going to be this drudgery, bored, monotonous, right on the board teacher who nobody wants to pay attention to. I'm gonna walk in the classroom, I'm gonna be dressed to a T, I'm gonna have on some Jordans that are fresher than yours, and you're gonna pay attention to me because you're gonna realize that I get the same kind of money that you're trying to get, and I'm doing it legitimately. It is, man. You mentioned those 7 and 11, man. They're my two favorite pair, the Bordeaux 7s, I, the Red 11s. I, I, I would love to have those, those graduation joints, man. Uh, yeah, so that's, <laughs> That's hot, that's hot right there, man. Um, and the color scheme goes a long way, man. The breads, you know, the color scheme, it just goes a long way, man. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on on, on um, NBA activity as of recently, man? I know you I know you keep, I, I, I would assume that you keep up with it, man. You know, you're, you're a fan of the game. You're uh, still, still a student of the game while being a teacher at the same time. So what's your, what's your um, thoughts on the recent activity, man? It's your, it's your trades, whether it's, you know, the uh, recent championship or the, or the draft, man. What you thinking? Uh, I mean, as far as the trades, I think I think it's good for the game of basketball. I think finally now the trades are happening across the board that need to happen. And I had this conversation with Ty Day a couple of years ago when I worked at Philander, and we were talking about LeBron actually going to the Lakers. And somebody we were was having the conversation with us. I don't remember who it was, and he kept saying that LeBron going to the Lakers is terrible for NBA basketball. And I said, No, it's not. I said, there's no way LeBron going to the Lakers is terrible for NBA basketball because when he, he creates the powerhouses that he always does, he's going to go to the Lakers and create a powerhouse. And then it's going to force other teams to have to create just as powerful teams, which will then eliminate drafting one and done kids who get into the NBA and are still kids and aren't mature enough to actually understand the basketball fanatics and the, and what it means to be in, have IQ. Uh, they, they just think because they can jump high, they can shoot a ball and cross you, they, they, they good enough to play right now. Uh, and they don't understand that uh, I, I think maturity matters. If you look at college basketball, teams that have four-year seniors, those are the ones that are winning the national championship, not those one-and-done schools. So I think I think the trades are finally happening the way they should. And don't get me wrong, we'll still have the LaMelo Balls and the LeBrons who will randomly get drafted early and be special. But I think it'll force NBA teams to do a better job of giving those guys who spent three or four years in college an opportunity. Definitely, man. That Now, that is the truth. The last part you said right there, a lot of those guys are three and four year players in college. Don't get that opportunity. One, you might see a two year here and there, but that one and done, is very popular it does it's, in my opinion it can really stun a kid's growth a young man's growth 
and uh, do, can do more damage than good at times. Oh, not yeah. just from the perspective, not just from the perspective of um, of development, but from the perspective of a mental capacity, uh, mental mental stability, um, emotional uh, emotional stress, things of that nature. You gotta make sure these guys are in a good position. I think LeBron did a great job of that, uh, of of high pointing that as well as guys like um, Kevin Love. As of recently, we uh, we had uh, forget who it was. I believe it was I forget who it was that came out recently. Talked about the depression. Uh, there's Brian talking about the depression um, that he dealt with leaving Dallas. Those type of things are not on paper. They're not in your contract. They're you know. They're just not seen. They're very much behind the scenes, and you have to deal with it on your own a lot of yeah. times. But when you when you go through college, when you spend three, four years, and when you learn how to be a young adult, um, it's, and it's like coming out of college. You know, I just I just had an interview, but mm-hmm. God told me, he said, you know, why are you coming to this in- industry now at the age of twenty seven? Yeah. You've been in IT for the last five plus years. Why now do you want to come into this industry? And I told and, and I told him I just don't have a passion for it. And his response was, well, the industry needs more people like you. We're looking for guys like you because it's hard to get young adults fresh out of college who, and we can put out there and allow them to be independent. So to speak, as a league, you know, you're out there, you're independent, you're on your own. We can't always put you out there and trust that you're going to do the right thing, trust that your mental, mental capacity won't crash at some point. But instead, we get a guy that's been through a couple of different professions, a guy that's living, you know, living on his own, knows how to budget, knows how to manage his life without it happened without it hindering what we do in our everyday business. And that's why a lot of guys, when they're in the league, whether it's NFL or NBA, they get to the league, if they're having struggles, well, the NBA, not, and the NBA team is not gonna sit here and be like, well, we're solely focused on your mental. Like the bottom, it's always gonna be focused on the bottom line. With Antonio Brown experience last year, a guy that did not have that, 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 that community of people helping him get through those moments of depression and stress and the mental illness that he was battling. Instead, yep. the NFL said, this is our bottom line, you're suspended, we wanna find and find and find you. It's gonna take another time to figure out why you're struggling. You're one of our most illustrious products in the NFL, but at the end of the day, you are a product. If you're most of one of our, you know, you bring a lot of revenue, how can we help you? And that's not what they're focused on, they're focused on the next man up. So um, I think that says a lot when you think, when you talk about what LeBron and others have done in this NBA um, in this organization to allow us to uh, just see those type of have these type of conversations um, about what what's possible what the possibilities are behind those numbers. For um, sure, for sure. And so, Coach, you know, with that, you know, you mentioned uh, you 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 um you in your bio that you sent me over, you have a very great shooting game. You mentioned the shooting game. Uh, but I would be remiss not to mention that you are top five in the nation in three-point shooting. Uh, and you are an excellent free throw shooting percentage as well because you're the top five in that as well. So uh, what is, is that something that you teach your guys, man? Are you like the lethal shooter guy from Instagram, man? Do you teach these guys how to shoot and how to be efficient and things of that nature? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little secret here. <clears throat> yeah. And only people know this, the people who play for me or their okay. the players' parents. Um, but I, I recently just stopped playing like four or five years ago. So halfway through my career, I was still playing professionally. Um, and my dad being a Division One coach, I was fundamentally sound. I grew really fast. In the sixth grade, I was six foot. Um, and everybody thought hey, he's going to be six five, six six, six seven. So it at sixth grade, I was a center. By the time I was in the eighth grade, my father knew you're not growing anymore. 
So he started working on me being able to shoot the basketball because he thought I was going to be like a three or a four. Um, and I really, really became really dominant in just shooting or posting up. Well, then by the time I got to be a freshman, we realized, oh, I'm not going to grow at all. And since I'm not going to grow, I had to turn into a point guard. So fundamentally sound is what I preach for my players because that's who I am. I, I was never the fastest kid. I was never the kid to jump up and windmill on anybody. I just had to use what I had. I'm stronger than guys my size. I'm faster than guys bigger than me. So I teach fundamentals. I teach being fundamentally sound. And at the moment, the secret that I was going to let you in is my players still can't beat me to this day. To this day, I, I, I get out there with any kid who thinks that he's going to disrespect my coaching or feel as if he doesn't have to listen. And I'll show them they're not as good as they think they are yet. Uh, really quick, really quick. I'll show them that they're not as good as they think they are and that this 32-year-old old man whose back is going to hurt after I'm done playing you <laughs> can still put 40 points on you like that and lock you up. Man, you talk about uh, a humble experience, man. That's a humbling experience, man. You know, so I, I referee on the weekends, but I referee basketball anywhere from first grade all, all the way up to adults. And uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, some of the some of the fellow in the heat um, coaches, man, we have had words during the game, and me as a referee, then Mr. Coach, I'm just like, hey, coach, like, calm down, you know. Yeah. But man, the parents, some of the other coaches, man, it just out of it's like, okay, where do you get? Where, where does this come from? Where your kid is like the next coming of Michael Jordan, and it's like. Okay, is are they not being beat at home as far as you know basketball? Like, is nobody humbling them because that you're not what you think you are? At um, all? I'm not. I'm not even a basketball player. I'm a baseball guy. I love playing basketball recreationally. I, you know, I consider myself a hooper. I like to be on the football field. But I'm a baseball player by nature. That's what I grew up playing since the age of four. So. Okay. I don't, I don't go out there so I can beat anybody. I, I, I lock you up, but I ain't the, there you go. There you go, man. See, hey, well that, diverse. You see what that say right there? You probably can't see that, but that says Jared Drake, Jared Drake. Strikeouts. 8K, I see the Ks on that, okay. Okay. <laughs> Real deal Holyfield, man. Oh yeah, oh Real yeah. Real deal Holyfield, man. And okay. just, you know, just looking at you, cause you remind me of uh, um, more of like a Jason Kidd or Darren Williams, man. Like again, having that body structure, man, and defend guys off, you know, but having that shooting sure. game like a Damian Lillard or a Jason Kidd, you know, eventually his career got that shooting game down pat. Um, sure. So, shouts out to you, Coach, man. Um, hey, Pretty again, man, I really appreciate it, brother. Uh, it's been an honor having you on, on here, man. I can't wait to see you again. And um, sure. uh, honestly, in the future, man, I look forward to having you on here again, man. The grind does not stop. The sports quit is not going anywhere, man. Um, we have more conversations off off this off the off the camera as well, man. Just you know, oh, a great definitely. brother, somebody having your network, guys. Uh, Coach Jerry Drake, man. Tell, tell the people where they can find you at if you want to be found. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Tell everybody, just be on the lookout, man. I got a website that's getting ready to drop in about a two to three weeks. Depth Academy. Um, the the handle will be thedepthacademy.com. Um, you can go look me up on any of social media, Coach J Drake on Instagram. Depth Academy on Instagram and on Facebook, uh, Jared Drake. Um, and if you, you need to email me, uh, you can email me at 
jared.drake at sic.edu. Hit me up at any time. I, I love to mentor. I love to do public speaking, anything that anybody's looking forward to, having somebody just come in and, and, and show true love for what he does and the kids. I'm your guy, man. I appreciate you, Bob, man. Great talking to no you. No problem, man. There you have it, folks. A Swiss Army Knife live and direct right here, man. Whenever y'all want to get in contact with this brother, you know how, you know where to find him at. So thanks again, Coach. We appreciate it. Y'all stay blessed and keep on. This is The Playbook with Levon Whitaker. What's going on, folks? It's your sports world host here, Levon Whitaker. I just want you all to know to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, be sure to follow me on sportswit.com. Thank you. What's going on, everyone? This is Levon Whitaker with The Playbook. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode. In this episode, I have joining me head coach Jared Drake, who shares with us his trajectory to becoming a collegiate head coach, what it's like coaching on the HBCU campus, and much more. To see the visual for this episode, head over to YouTube, type in Sportswood, and enjoy another episode. Thank you all for tuning in.